You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. So we have been in this series on community. We have been talking through friendship and all of that. In the first week, we talked about being a neighbor, right? What does it look like to be a good neighbor? We're told that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And what we know about neighbors is neighbors are every single person that we encounter. Whether you know them or you do not know them, they are made in the image of God. They are loved deeply, and Jesus died for them on the cross. We ought to love them as we love ourselves. In the next week, we talked about what should I look for in a good friend and what qualities should I possess in order to be a good friend. We talked about things such as how if you go to a friend or a friend comes to you, they have something that they're walking through, they have something they're struggling with, they confide in you, we should be the type of person, our friends should be the type of person that is trustworthy, that the thing that they tell us does not immediately go to the rumor mill, but it stays within us and we can challenge them, we can give them a shoulder to cry on, we can be there for them. Last week, we talked about what things good friends do together. We talked about how they obviously spend time with one another, but they actually spur each other on as you would drive a horse in a direction towards love and towards encouragement. Do my friends push me to gossip or do my friends push me towards Jesus? Ultimately, if we look around us, the people that surround us should be people who make us better, people who challenge us, people who call us to a higher standard of godly living because they are also in pursuit of Jesus themselves. That's what we've been talking about. And this week, we're gonna also talk about how friends, communities of God need to serve the people around them. Our main passage is in Acts chapter four. It's verses 32 through 35. This is what it says. It says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Point number one is this, is unity around Jesus. Verse 32 says that all the believers were in one heart and one mind. And what we need to know is that Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart above all else, for it is out of it comes the wellspring of life. The core of our being is found in our heart, our mind, our will, our emotions. All of that springs out of the heart. The Bible tells us to guard our hearts. And what we need to know about in Acts chapter four is Acts chapter four in the entire book of Acts is talking about what is the response when Jesus rises from the dead and ascends into heaven, what happens? We see in Acts, the church, the thing that we are a part of today is born, right? We see that the initial response happens in Acts chapter two. 
In Acts chapter one, we see that Peter and John and all the other people who followed Jesus were told, wait in Jerusalem and God is gonna show out some crazy sort of way. And 10 days later, there's this feast called Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit actually descends on this group of believers in the upper room and some crazy things happen. And we see that is where the church is born, is birthed. And in that time, Peter gives the very first gospel message, telling all the people about what Jesus has done. In that day, literally thousands of people asked Jesus into their heart and were baptized that very day. And so Acts chapter four is following up all of the crazy things that have been happening in the birth of the church and how it is spreading. And this is what we need to know. At verse 32 says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. It also says in some other translations that they had every, or they shared everything in common. But if you look at their life, it's kind of confusing how they could have everything in common. Because what we know about the, the Feast of Pentecost is it was the feast that many commentators think is the most traveled to feast by the Jewish people. People would come from far and wide, from different countries, from different continents. They would take this trip to Jerusalem for this festival. And we know that there was people who spoke different languages, people who had different cultures and traditions, people who were old, people who were young, people who were Middle Eastern, people who were African, people who had different things for food, for dinner, people who, who had different fun activities that they did. There was not a lot in common, yet they were united with one heart and with one mind. And what we see is the unifying factor in this world of difference from all of these people, it's not where they were born, it's not how old they are, it's not their race, it's not their ethnicity, it's not how much money they have. The unifying factor is the gospel, it's Jesus. The people were in one heart and one mind in their core of their being because of Jesus because he is the greatest thing to unite around. And before we talk about serving, the thing that I want us to talk about tonight is that oftentimes it's unbelievably easy for us to tune ourselves to the world, for us to tune ourselves to status or to popularity, for us to tune in so deeply to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift drama that we forget that there's a world of things happening around us. And for all of you guys who are tuned in to the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift drama, like it is the greatest thing to ever happen or the worst thing or the most important thing in the universe, what'll happen is, is let's say that, that Jeffrey is the leader of the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift drama train. So J Jeffrey is making this note in the life that he's living. And I, because I follow Jeffrey in this drama, I'm gonna tune to Jeffrey, right? Well, Jeffrey and I, we both believe in Jesus, but because the most important thing to us is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, 
When we try to tune to God's standards, when we try to tune to a standard that the rest of you guys are following, this is what happens. Go ahead and play. We're out of tune. Jeffrey and I might be united together, but to everybody else, it sounds pretty bad, right? Does it sound pretty bad? Yeah? So Jeffrey and I will stop, and we realize that the most important thing is not Taylor Swift, it's not Travis Kelsey. The most important thing is not popularity. The most important thing is not ego. The most important thing is pursuing Jesus. And so as we take time, turn that, tune, turn that thing up a little bit, Zeus. Notice, We're now in tune, right? <laughs> Beautiful. Listen. So, all that to be said, it's very, very easy to see things that are popular, to see people that are popular and to try and make our life exactly like them. But in the midst of these people coming together, they had nothing in common. But when they tuned to Jesus, the ultimate standard, they had everything in common. So you're sitting next to people who you're friends, right? You're sitting next to people who probably share common interests, who probably play the same video games, maybe go to the same school. But every single one of us can be united, even though we might have different social status, might live in a different place, go to a different school, because we're not tuning to a trend, we're tuning to Jesus. So that's the first thing that we have to recognize. In order for the body of Christ to be effective, we don't tune to one another, we tune to Jesus, and that is going to unite us together. The next thing that we have to see is this, is that there has to be people over things. A scripture verse that you guys have heard so many times, I know. Tim Tebow made it famous to the American people when he put it on his, his eye black. We've heard it so many times, and I think that we oftentimes forget how wonderfully beautiful and impactful it is, is this. John three sixteen. it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see that God so loved us that he gave for us. Jesus died on a cross, gave of himself, gave of his time, gave of his body, gave of his life, gave of his blood for you and I so that we could be saved. What we see is when we look at Jesus' life, he was not in life to pursue things, he was pursuing people. Because people are innately valuable. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. Because God made us because he loves us. And not only does God love you, but he also likes you. He likes to spend time with you. He likes your corny jokes that nobody, you think nobody else likes. He likes all of those things. God made you. He knows the hairs on your head and he wants relationship with you. And so what did Jesus do? 
Jesus did not come to the earth. Tell me if you see this in scripture anywhere. Jesus came to the earth in order to be king and have a bunch of money and have a bunch of kingdoms. Do you see that in the Bible? Y'all hear me? Do you see that in the Bible? No, right? Did Jesus come to the earth in order to, to get cars and to get women and to be a famous pop star and this and that and the other? Does it say that anywhere in scripture? No. no. What it says is God so loved that he gave. Jesus was not after things. He was after people. And if we are made in the image of God, if we are to be like Jesus, our pursuit should not be more stuff. It should not be more Jordans. It should not be more sweatshirts. It should not be another prestige in cod. All of those things are great, yes. But our pursuit should be following Jesus and loving people because every single person that you encounter is made in the image of God. Jesus died for them and there is work to do because Every single day, we can share the gospel and we can love others. Back to what Acts says, Acts says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales. When you are unified around the gospel and the message of Jesus, Jesus gave of everything. There is no more generous gift than what Jesus gave because he literally gave his life. When you're unified around Jesus, when you want to be more like Jesus, the natural response is to give. And to this church, the early church in Acts, what did they do? If there was a needy person, some of them, they have the time, they have the ability, they have the margin to be able to literally sell a house and say, hey, I got this money, how can we get this person where they need to be? How can we bless this person? There's a dude named Chuck Feeney, and he died in October of, of last year. Um, he died in San Francisco, and he was a multi-billionaire. And a little bit of Chuck Feeney's story. He was born in, 19, in the 1930s, he grew up and his mom and his dad demonstrated to him from a really young age what generosity looks like. His dad, he was an insurance underwriter and his mom was a nurse. And his, they both were devout Catholics. Um, they cared a lot for people. And the mom did this thing that he remembered really, really well where there was a gentleman that was in their neighborhood who had Lou Gehrig's disease. And what she would do is every single day, she had convinced this man that the bus stop was on her way to work. And so she would pick him up and she would drop him off at the bus stop so that he didn't have to find a way to get there. And then she would turn in the other direction and go to her work because it was in the opposite direction. So she did that and he saw this from a young age. Eventually he would leave, he would go to the Air Force and spend time overseas. Um, he, got, he comes back home and he learned some things overseas, saw some business opportunities. And so he eventually moves to Europe. He makes some really wise investments, partners up with some really cool people, and over decades and decades amasses an incredibly large fortune. By the time that he was 50, he had houses in New York, London, Paris, Honolulu, San Francisco, Aspen, and the French Riviera. In doing all that though, 
He realized that this black tie lifestyle was just not for him. Trying to keep up with the Joneses wasn't for him. Looking down at poor people or people like you and I who don't have billions of dollars just was not for him. He realized it wasn't fulfilling for him to just get more things. And what he wanted to do was actually to be close to the people he grew up around in New Jersey. He wanted to be able to have normal conversations with people. And he also, because he had this fortune, wanted to be able to bless people. And so Chuck Feeney made it his life's goal that he was gonna do everything in his power to give away every single penny of his fortune. And what Chuck Feeney would then do for decades, he would give to things like uh, public health facilities in Vietnam, to AIDS clinics in South Africa. He would give to Operation Smiles free surgeries for children with cleft lips and palates. He donated a billion dollars to Cornell. He would just give all of this money away. And when he died at 92, he and his wife were living in a rented two-bedroom apartment. Remember, this is a multi-billionaire living in a rented two-bedroom apartment. He had given away almost every single penny of his fortune. And what made him come to that conclusion? It wasn't that he realized he couldn't get stuff. It was that the stuff did not fulfill He had everything, he could do everything, yet it never satisfied. And when I think about this story, I think about the value that Chuck's parents put in him from a young age. They told him to be generous. And Chuck's parents, I don't know if he was a Christian, I don't know if he was not, but what I know is his parents, just like every single person in here, you and I, made mistakes, right? And flawed parents, put this idea that he needs to be generous. In his wake, the thing that he left behind was unbelievably massive. My challenge for you is if we tune to an even more generous being, God, than Chuck's parents, how generous can we be? If we recognize that the thing that Jesus showed us was not trying to get more, to to do more, to be bigger, to, to, to get this status, but it actually was going to the lowest status to serve others, how big can that wake be? My challenge for every single one of you guys tonight is that for Nathan so loved God and so loved people, that he gave for, for, let's see here, for Addie so loved God, so loved people that she gave. For the sixth grade girls small group, so loved people that they gave. Do you see what I'm saying? Every single one of us can be generous. Now, how can we be generous? Because you see in Acts, they're giving away houses. I don't think any of you guys have a house. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Okay, perfect. This is it. We need to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures. Your time, your talents, and your treasures. So again, none of us have houses. None of us, uh, your, your parents have a house. That's perfect. None of you own a house personally. So what are you gonna do? A lot of you guys probably don't have a job. Some of you guys maybe do. Maybe you do make money. 
Some of you guys might get an allowance because I think that's the very first thing that we come to when we think about giving is, oh, when I actually have money, I will give. Well, let me teach you that if you learn generosity here, if you learn generosity now, it's gonna be a whole lot easier to be generous when you're older. But if you begin to hold onto your stuff tightly, unwilling to care for other people, unwilling to give of your time to others, you're not gonna be generous when you get money. So how can you be generous now? With your time, your talents, with your treasures. A simple way, as we are doing tonight, if you look back there, you see an example. There's a bunch of cans that a lot of the guys brought in. The girls have their cans in the preschool auditorium, right? You can participate in things like tonight. One thing that we're gonna start implementing in RSM is some quarterly serve Wednesday nights where we may do, be doing a canned food drive. We may be going over and, and hanging out with some folks. We may be cutting some lawns. We may be doing stuff. Participate in these things. You're already here. Recognize because God so loved, I'm going to love as well because who am I trying to model my life after? I'm not trying to model my life after a selfish person. I'm trying to model my life after Jesus, the most selfless person. So I'm gonna participate in things like that. Another one that is totally free and just a great opportunity that I don't think we think about is show up to a retirement village with some board games. You and your family show up, put some board games down, recognize that the people living there, a lot of them, do not have family nearby. Do not have connection with people who are under the age of 50 or 60 unless their nurse is there, right? You and your family show up and be there for people, connect with people. What's another way? You can participate in the numerous canned food and, and clothing drives that are constantly happening in this area. If you see one, if you know of one, when your school talks about one, when your school talks about backpack blessings, when your school does these things, when the church does these things, participate, do it. Another opportunity is if you have somebody in your neighborhood that doesn't cut their grass, maybe they're an elderly person, ask them if you can cut their grass. Another one, maybe you are 15 or 16 or 17 and your parents, they would like to go on a date night, but you never offer to babysit your younger siblings. How about you start by doing that? You wanna witness to your family? If you go to your mom and say, hey, I'll babysit so you and dad can have a date night, she's gonna be like, there is a God. That's exactly what's gonna happen. It's not gonna be by you telling her that she needs to get her butt in church. It's gonna be by you showing her that Jesus is real, that Jesus has changed you. What am I telling you? Every single person in this room has time has talents, and has treasures. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's you're in the eighth grade and you have seventh grade clothes that are still good that you can, instead of selling on Instagram, give to someone. These are all things that you can do. How do you serve with your talents? I'll give you a great example. All of you guys who attend Simpsonville, maybe some of you guys who attend Greenville have seen this, but if you look right outside the lobby, when you walk out and you know girls go to the preschool auditorium or you walk out to hang out afterwards, you're gonna see that there's this big photo op wall that was built. And what it was used for was pictures for families to bless them for Christmas. We'll probably use it for Easter again. But do you know who built that wall? No idea. Matthew built that wall. 
and Ryan, Ryan's not here tonight, but they built that wall as well. Do you know why? Because they both are handy. They both know how to do woodworking and they were able to put time into it. They were able to put talent into it and it was able to bless families within the church. Every single one of you guys has things that you're good at. Maybe you have a knack for electronics and your grandparent has no idea what they're doing. Call them up, ask them how they're doing and offer help. Every single one of us can be a blessing to those around us. And it doesn't take amassing a fortune. It takes recognizing that you are already in a spot to do that. It takes caring for people. It takes getting to know people to learn their needs. And if there is a need that you can fill, stop making excuses and fill it. I want you guys to recognize that the cans that we are collecting tonight, a super simple thing that you probably, a lot of you probably didn't think about until today or when your parent got a text message on Monday, we're gonna be able to bless several families in the church for that. It did not take a lot of time, but the wake of that is so huge. So if you live your life recognizing that Jesus gave of himself to me, and so I wanna give of myself to others to him, but also of my time, my talents, and my treasures to others, the impact is gonna be massive. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this night, and I thank you for who you are. I pray that you would challenge every single one of us to be generous in our individual walks and as friend groups. I pray that you would give us practical ways to be generous, whether that's reaching out to the grandparent that needs help cutting their lawn or whether that's beginning to tithe or beginning to care for somebody. Lord, you are so good and I know that you will speak to every single one of us tonight. I pray that you would bless us as we're packing these boxes and that you would bless the rest of tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.